You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I am Jesper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 51 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast, and we are going to share the three best pieces of advice that, about writing that we wish somebody had told us when we first started out. So that's probably going to be quite good. I think it'll be quite good. And I honestly had a hard time just coming up with three. I came up with five in the end, but we'll see. <laughs> I will see if I can narrow it down. Wow. Five. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's good. So how's huh. your week been? Uh, it's, it's been good. It's been good. Uh, we were out um, bowling, bowling, oh, bowling last yeah. pa- uh, this past weekend. Uh, well, <laughs> technically, my uh, my oldest son had his birthday like two months ago. Oh, so <laughs> I, I suppose you could say that it's a bit late to invite out his classmates, but, <laughs> but better late than never, right? I guess. Why? Well, I guess as long as he doesn't mind and got to celebrate it, maybe twice. I that works <laughs> for him. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it went well uh, I'm, I'm not really very good at bowling to be honest so uh, yeah I, I think all the kids played first for like one and a half hour and then the last hour we adults joined in and I started throwing the f- two first balls in the gutter so, <laughs> so I had to I had to claim that the sun blinded me and the wind disturbed me and of course all of this was inside and whatnot so the kids looked quite skeptically at me and they just shook their heads like my lame excuses but uh <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun uh, uh, although to the, uh, well at the end uh, the youngest got quite upset because he lost uh, oh, no. but yeah but uh, you know he he's the one who, who always also plays football and he's very very competitive so, so mm. I had to explain to him because when we first started you can get these kit barriers on onto the gutters so that the ball doesn't go into the gutter right, uh, right. and then when we started out I asked him I asked him if he wanted that uh, kit barrier and he said no 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 he did <laughs> absolutely not want a kit barrier and I was okay fine so he played half of the first game or first frame or whatever. I'm not sure what it's called in, in bowling, but half of the first game, basically he played without the kids uh, barrier on, uh-huh. which of course, some of the balls ended up in the gutter. And while the other ones were playing, it just hit the barrier. And then they always got a bit of pins knocked over. Right. right. So, but he didn't get that. So, and then halfway through the first game, then we put on the uh, barrier for him as well. And, and then the kids he was playing against was actually, they were three years older than him. Oh. And by the end of the game, he came in two points after number four. Oh, and something bad. like 15 points after number one, which is pretty amazing in my yeah. view. And I tried to explain to him that, you know, you played extremely well. These kids are much older than you. And you more or less almost tied, you know, two pins. That's like, it's <laughs> luck. It's just luck, nothing else. Wow. You could have gotten fourth place against somebody who's three years older than you. That's amazing. And that it, is. It, but I would say it took quite a while before he felt just a little convinced. Oh, <laughs> he sounds like he's a, quite the competitor. You're going to have fun yes. with him. <laughs> yes, yes. He's very competitive. <laughs> that is so sweet, though. 
Yeah. And that's yeah, so actually they- so that teaches me something. I never thought about what countries have bowling or even where it originated, but okay. Oh, I don't know. I don't know either, but hey, we have both have bowling in common. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm really bad at it. <laughs> yeah. It was there was a bowling alley really close to my high school. And so that was literally one of our gym classes and it was never my favorite thing, but hey, it got us out of school and we got to walk down the road and um, So you played a lot? Oh, uh, you know, at least twice a semester. Uh it's never something something that I've gone like, you know, after school and hung out at the bowling alley. I'd actually rather play pool. I love pool. Yeah, so me I, hey, me too. <laughs> <laughs> always gonna, when we yeah. in the bowling alley when I was younger, I always convinced somebody to play pool with me <laughs> That's instead. So funny. We're gonna have so much fun when we finally end up on the same continent. It's going to be yeah. fast. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how was your week, Autumn? Oh, it's been going well. You know, we've been doing so talking and it's funny because I'm I'm driving a bit more commuting and it was funny. I know you dictate uh, your novels. That's how you do your writing. Mm -hmm. And I've never done that before. So I'm suddenly thinking, I want to try this out. So I know you and I have been sharing some dictation tips and software and things we use. And it almost makes me think that maybe this is like a potential podcast issue. I know other people have tackled it, but, you know, give me some time to see if this is going to work for me. And I think we might have to, um, see if it changes how fast I can write or if I can get my brain to wrap around not seeing the words in front of me. Because I know recently, uh, some of the last novels I'd write, I would hit a snag and I would jump ahead and write that. And then I'd come back and write the filler spaces in between. I'm like, that's not mm. gonna work. It's dictating. No. No. <laughs> so I've got to wrap my head around it and give it a try. But I'm kind of excited to give it everyone who does it says that they can get so much more written if they did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it goes a lot faster than than writing. Obviously, you can you can speak a lot faster than you can ever type. So if your mind but, but is it, organized, <laughs> yeah, you have to get your mind organized so that it's like, yeah, you know what you're going to say and where it's going. And I yeah, and funny enough, funny enough, it ties back to the plotting stuff, right? Because I, I would not be able to do the dictation. Well, okay, I could, I guess, but I wouldn't be very efficient at it if I did not, if we did not do all the plotting up front. So I knew exactly what's going to happen in the chapter before I even start. Yeah. Um, and then it's it's of course you need to dictate all the commas and uh, and all the <laughs> new paragraph and open quote, close quote, all that, you need to get used to saying all of that, which of course you, you're not used to that when you're typing. And so that's one thing. And then I think the other thing, at least for me, is is to keep the flow going. So for mm-hmm. example, if you, if you, let's say the character comes to a castle or something, and then you can't quite just on the fly there make up what the castle looked like, then I usually just like open brackets uh, and then I say, create cool description of castle, close brackets, <laughs> and then they just move on. Right, because so cheating. No, yeah, yeah, but it, but it works, right? Because then I keep the flow going, and, it, and the the main point for me at that stage when you're dictating is just to get the story onto the page. And true. when you're doing the editing, you can always add in nice descriptions and all that, but you don't have to on the fly there try to figure out a cool description because that, even if you did, likelihood is that it's going to be cliche. It's going to be what comes to the top of your mind, which is not going to be the best description you can come up with. So. Some, yeah, I do I do that quite a lot sometimes. I just add in that, yeah, sort of placeholder to add this or add that here. Uh, that's at least a good tip. So yeah, that's a good another tip you hadn't given me before. So I will keep that in mind as I get going, that even if I have to just be like 
skip this area, then put this in and then put a note. Oh, put this in the area you skipped. Um, that is what editing is for. So it'll just be neat to see if I can get this rough draft out because it's in my head and I tend to be a little looser in my plotting when I'm on my own, but I have it outlined pretty well and I know what happens in each of the chapters. And I think as long as I keep myself organized, and it might be good. It might organize my brain a little bit better. So I'm going to give it a whirl and see how it works. And I'm just starting out with some really cheap, actually free stuff software I already have. So we'll see how it works. Mm. And then yeah, it, that, that's a good place to start. Yeah, free is always a good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if I like it, I'm going to get into what you have suggested. And like I said, maybe there's a podcast in this some point. Yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, for the listener, maybe, you know, dear listener, if if, if uh, dictation is something that you're interested in, in us talking about on a, on a future podcast episodes, then let us know, you know, and uh, then we'll certainly consider it. A week on the Internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Uh, so <laughs> I went in this morning, Autumn, into the Facebook group because I thought uh-huh. I, I better start approving some people in there oh, because no. I just, over the last week, it's just been crazy. There were so many new people joining all the time. There was new uh, notifications popping up for people and it's awesome. But so I went in there this morning and Luke had already beaten me to it. Know, he approved he's everybody. So fast. He does that to me too. And I'm like, I'm going to go in there. And oh, well. I guess I'll go read through some comments and see what Luke's been doing because he's such an awesome <laughs> moderator. So. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I don't know how we would cope without his assistance. It's amazing. I mean, I, or, well, at least people would be waiting quite a long while to be admitted into the group if it wasn't for him. So again, I, th- I know we said it before, but huge thank you to Luke for all he does. <laughs> Very much appreciate his help keeping it. It's nice because it's not so much keeping the group wrangled. It's just letting people in the door because happily the group is pretty good as far as not doing posts that they should so at yeah, least for the most part yeah, I, yeah. I think and there, there's a lot of activity in there it, it, oh it, it feels like it's really picked up you know people are posting a lot which is very mm-hmm. nice to see and they are commenting a lot on other people's questions and it, it's oh, amazing yeah. and I, I really really like it, it yes, it's getting I, to a good place I got lost in Jason's post about how many times a male character can cry in a novel and if the gender should really matter. I know. I figured you would see that one too. Yeah, that was the one I noticed as well. Oh, when I looked at it, it had over 27 comments already and I was just looking through them and they're good. They're really funny and they're insightful and I just like some of them. I don't know which ones were your favorites, um, but I know there was one that, I mean, the core that it's, it, it's the reason that the person is crying, the main character is crying and not the gender. And I just love seeing that we're in such a good place in fantasy where you can have your male character cry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was actually also uh, thinking about that one. And I was thinking maybe we should just add our, our own short reflection here on, yeah. on that question, uh, Autumn, but, but maybe, maybe that was your reflection. You, you, you agree with that comment or did you I have do. something else to ponder about (laughs) (laughs) no i just think um definitely there was an example in there too about a female character who was trying to cook everyone dinner and her pot wasn't big enough and she just sat down and cried until her brother came and fixed it for her and how just that is not right that is Mm. that is a stereotype and i thought you know it had both arguments of this is a stereotype that you shouldn't do and these are examples of reasons you should do it 
But I agree. It's I don't want to see personally if I'm reading something. I don't want to see a weepy weepy character, be it male or female. But I've had female characters cry. I've had male characters cry. And I do think the core is the reason, you know, if it is impactful enough, if it is painful enough or happy enough, let's not forget there's happy tears, that crying is fine. And, you know, we do it as people and emotionally it should be in your novel too. Yeah, uh, I think so too. Uh, Well, if the question is how many times (laughs) the character can cry, I don't really think you can answer that question because it all depends on context and why he's crying, as, as Autumn have just been talking about. Uh, I would, though, say, even though if you have good reasons for the character be, to be crying, if it's like every second chapter, then <laughs> it's going to be really annoying really fast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Male or female, I would be dropping yeah. the book probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the reader does have to like the character and root for them and nobody roots for somebody who cries all the time even if there's a good reason for it mm-hmm. uh, we we do want to see characters take action we want them to sort of uh, own up to the problems and do something about it not sit there and cry about it uh, i mean so i would say there is a line somewhere that <laughs> and i cannot define that line for you so you have to do it yourself but but there is a line somewhere whereby you can do it too much but there is absolutely nothing wrong with a male character crying if there's a good reason for it um, as long as it doesn't happen happen too often and the same thing applies to a female character there's no real difference between the two in this case no absolutely and i agree it's it's to me, it's almost should be not a crying out of frustration because they can't solve a problem, but crying because of a loss of something heartfelt. Um, yeah, just crying because you're frustrated and throwing up your hands in the air and you can't handle it. Yeah, don't avoid that one. No, exactly. Yeah. So questions like this one is what you can ask in the Am Writing Fantasy Facebook group, and you will get all of these different uh, competent reflections and responses and all that. So I think it is really a really, really awesome group of uh, fellow fantasy authors. So if you have not yet joined the Am Writing Fantasy Facebook group, just uh, yeah, go to Facebook <laughs> and uh, search for Am Writing Fantasy in the group section and you will find us. And on to today's topic. Oh, so Autumn, you have five different <laughs> things to share about the best pieces of advice. Uh, I have three, but oh, I was thinking that maybe we should uh, try to alternate a bit uh, so that we're moving up through the ranks one by one absolutely, uh, rather than just giving five and three in a row. And, but yes. I must admit, I'm very excited to hear yours because actually I... I don't think we've really talked about this sort of stuff before, even between us. No, and I remember when we came up with the topic for this one, you kind of got excited, like, oh, that's a good idea. So I think so too. (laughs) And I feel so organized. You know, I usually, you know, I come in with a little bit of background information, but kind of wing these things where you're the much organized one. But I have a list longer than yours this time. You do, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So do you want to start with um, favorite one? No, I think we should work from the bottom and up, right? So if you do your number five and your number four... Okay. I'll do my number three and then your number three and so okay. forth. So I will do my first two since I came up with five. And yeah, so you cheated. I did. I couldn't <laughs> help it when I start. This is why I started writing courses. I just have so much advice and so much trial by fire that I want to share with other authors. So I just can't contain myself. So I ended up with five. <laughs> but one of the things I think one of the first things I 
saw when I was a new author and was on Twitter and meeting other authors is everyone was complaining about marketing. Marketing takes them away from writing and marketing blah, marketing, you know, hate, 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 hate on marketing. Mm. And I wish someone had just pulled me aside at some point and said, you know, marketing is often just sharing what you love about your book. What is it that gets you excited about your book? That is really the essence of marketing. So you should actually love it as well because you're sharing your most passionate parts of your story and your storytelling. It's just finding a way of doing that, you know, whether it's social media, and of course there's always buying advertising, but that's, you know, if you hate taking five minutes to buy advertising, I'm so sorry. It's only five minutes. (laughs) But the other marketing, be it blog posts or social posts, it's, it's really just sharing what you love about your story. So don't hate it. You should love it because it's part of what you love about your story. And then mm. number four. Yeah, but okay, I, go ahead. I, 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 no, but I, I think that's, it is a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wondering how, how did you, how did you get to that stage? Because one thing is say, is to say, don't hate it, just love it because <laughs> yeah, fine, but I still hate it. <laughs> you know, if you're in that frame of mind, how did you transition into actually, wrapping your mind around actually this is something i do like i think by paring it down there was just a certain point where you know yes it's not writing but it is a hundred percent something equally if you're going to be doing this as a business you're going to be marketing and you should probably never do it if you don't love something people do know it you if you're just spamming it throwing up posts that you don't really care about and not crafting something i'd rather see two really good posts in a week than two every single day that are crap. And I think right. when people start realizing that, you know what, it makes a difference to really put some time and effort and love into making these posts, be they blog posts or, you know, I love Instagram. So we've already been there. So hanging <laughs> out on Instagram and seeing something that someone really did love rather than something they threw up really quickly because they felt like they had to do something for marketing today and their books have to sell more. And they just, you just feel that, kind of desperate energy. And it was standing back and saying, you know, this is, what do you do? How do you make this difference? And I think that's where I adjusted. Plus I, I wrote a booklet on um, 50 blog posts. So topics to get you writing about your story and writing that I realized how many of the ideas I came up with were because I wanted to share something I loved about my story. Mm. And it started Mm. when you start realizing that you love writing and you love these characters and you love everything you do and, you know, you get a writer talking, you can't get them to shut up. You should love marketing. It's all about sharing what you love and trying to do it in concise sound bites that you don't overwhelm the person you're trying to tell. But it also sounds like you're saying that it's a matter of not, could we call it like being too ambitious about it? You know, yeah. like like you said, now that, now that I have to, I have to do some a new blog post every day. No. But, yeah. but rather try to scale down the ambitions and then say, okay, l- let me do whatever I can feel that I have the time for, that I can cope, you know, rather one really, really good blog post once a week rather than a shitty one every day. (laughs) Yes, I think so too. It definitely comes down to once you realize it should be something you love and you shouldn't be driving yourself crazy trying to get all of them done, you know, make time to do one or two good ones a week rather than something Mm -hmm. every single day. It's yeah, that's part of it. Definitely. All right. And so the other one, number four, my other add-on was uh, just a reminder to tell people to always write because you love it. 
I think as you take on your writing journey, you learn so much. You learn about how to write, how to run a writing business, you know, tips on how to make sure you're writing a story that people, you know, readers are going to buy that. So you end up writing stuff that maybe you think it's going to sell. And sometimes you lose the perspective that you actually enjoy writing and you should be writing characters you enjoy and a story you enjoy. It's so easy to kind of get lost and start just writing stuff that, to do it to make money. Um, and so it is a business and you have to look at that. But if you're not loving it, you know, step back and think about it if you're no longer enjoying it, because you, most of us come to this because we have a story we want to tell and we love writing. And I've seen writers as they progress and try, even I've done it a little bit, you start doing it more as a business and you might lose a little bit of that soul. So don't forget to still love what you're writing. Yeah, especially nowadays, there is a, a lot of talk in the author community about uh, releasing more books and mm -hmm. release them fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I I don't remember, actually, to be honest, if we talked about this in, in more detail in a past episode, maybe we have, but I I, I feel that it's 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 like a road to hell that we are on there because <laughs> yes. people are going to get burned out because of it they're, they're, they're trying to keep up a pace that is absolutely crazy and you lose your passion and and you you're gonna get stressed out and and at some point maybe you can keep up the pace for two years and you're going to mm -hmm. release 15 novels in two years or something but then you're going to burn out and then what was the point there was no passion in it either i mean i don't know i, I would rather say uh, i release Let's say, let's say we release two or three books a year, mm -hmm. and those books are passion projects. It's it's because we like it, um, and it's at a pace where we can sustain it long term. Uh, but of course, as Autumn said, I, I think as well that there is a point to be made about that it is a business. Mm -hmm. So if what you love to write is something that nobody likes to read, then yeah, I mean, write those books once in a while, but you have to then sprinkle in some books that is more like what the market wants to read, right? So you could write like, let's say you write two books for the market and then you write one book for you. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it like that, but but I, I don't know. I, I know it's a bit of a tangent here, but but I just think that it's important to, that you cannot just write passion if nobody wants to read your passion. Yeah, unless you're you just doing money. it for a hobby, then, then yes. of course it's fine. But And I think that's the key is that, yeah, if you're going to do it as a business, you have to pay attention to trends and some of the, you know, we've both done research on the, you know, top selling books and what are the commonalities. And so you know that data, but hopefully you can weave that into a story you really want to tell. Because if you're just writing something that, you know, five years ago, you would have totally cringed if you had read it. Well, you think about that one a little bit before you write it, maybe. <laughs> or give it a try, but don't tie yourself to it. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what's your number tangent. three? Yeah, yeah, that was a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my number three is, I wish somebody had told me when I was done with the first book and I had to create a cover for it and I had to write a book description that creating a cover and writing a book description is just not something you just go willy-nilly about you know yeah, <laughs> i mean <laughs> the, the book description we talked about last week so i'll not labor that point much here but but maybe with the cover though because and this is probably something 
that I'm not in a low, alone in, or I was not alone in this boat <laughs> of <laughs> thinking that when I'm, I need a cover for my book now that it's done and I need something that just looks awesome. Yeah. So I'll get some somebody and then I'll tell, tell the, you know, somebody who knows cover designs because I did do that luckily <laughs> enough. I didn't try to do it on my own, which you should never, ever, 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 ever do. <laughs> but uh, I did get somebody who knew what they were doing to do it. But but I I dictated to them what sort of cover I wanted. And I went for something that I wanted to look really pretty. Mm. And of course, the cover do, does need to look good. So that's not what I'm trying to say. But the job of the cover is to convey the genre to the reader. And my cover does not convey the genre to the reader. So it's it's a big mistake. And if if I just, you know, researched it a bit or tried to understand that, well, cover design, I guess there must be some sort of logic or idea behind why covers look the way they look. I mean, if I just <laughs> thought those thoughts, then I could have avoided that um, that mistake I made. And I had to, I have to regrettably admit that uh, I still haven't gone back and corrected it because I've been way, way too busy with all kinds of stuff. And I know that's a lame excuse. And I know I'm not doing what I preach that people should be doing. <laughs> um, I should go back and correct it. But then I have to update it a million different places. Yeah. And I, I have so much to do that <laughs> I still haven't gotten to that point on my to-do list. And I don't know. I, since I made the book, book perma-free, it, it gets downloaded quite a lot anyway. So it, it, I don't know. I don't have a burning platform that it, it hurts me enough that I, I want to spend time on it above something else. But I really wish I had known that when I started out, to be honest. No, I think it's a good point. And a lot of new authors, you know, I see some that come in so market savvy. I just want to be like, where did you learn this? Because even I didn't know that at first. But, you know, I started back in 2012 where you could literally just scribble something on it as a cover and toss it up and people would go and buy it and download it because there was just, there were so many less books. Now mm. the competition, whoo. It's cutthroat and a good cover and a great description. But like you said, we just covered that in the last episode. So that's fine. But yeah, it's definitely very, very true. And yeah, you know, you, you, know you don't want to get me going on covers and cover designs. <laughs> that's the other hat I wear. And there's a whole psychology and subconscious reading that goes into even the fonts. Um, yeah, and the colors and the mood. And I just had a discussion with someone I'm doing a cover for uh, angel wings. Do we want them lifted, which is more positive versus down, which is more dark. And mm. yeah, don't get me going on the symbolism that's hidden in covers that you read in just seconds. Your mind picks it up and makes a judgment based on your, your entire novel in just, just a few seconds. So those covers, there's a reason they're complicated. <laughs> yeah, and there is a reason why a, an epic fantasy cover looks mm. usually the way it, it looks. I mean, if, if you, uh, for, for the listener here, if you go to Amazon, for example, to the top 100 in epic fantasy, for example, and have a look at those covers in the top 100, and you will start to see some patterns there. Oh, and, yeah. it, it, and it's for a reason. And those are the sort of things that you want to emulate in your own cover. Not, not copying any of it, but you want to pick out what are the common threads throughout these covers in my subcategory on Amazon. And then you want to use those 
things in your own cover rather than coming up with this amazing, beautiful <laughs> picture that you think it looks so good and nobody has ever seen it before. No, but that's true. But there's a reason why nobody ever saw it before. It's because it's not going to sell it. <laughs> They're not going to know what genre it is or anything about your story. They'll be like, huh? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, well. So, yeah, that was my number three. I like that number three. So my number three, now that I'm up to three, uh, is, again, sort of on marketing, but it's I wish someone had pulled me aside and to when you're trying to figure out how to market and how to sell books, especially as a newbie, I wish someone had just said, don't worry about all this other stuff. Focus on creating a strong interaction with your fans, which, mm. you know, mailing lists, Goodreads is also a fantastic way of like meeting fans and talking to them. Instead of, you know, do that over posting on social media or Facebook groups or just posts that you send out to the world and you hope someone will find. It's really, it's the comments, it's the interactions, it's your mailing list, building up relationships there, getting your super fans. That I think will end up benefiting you in the long run so much more than having a great social media platform. So I wish someone had really talked about that because I know there was a point where, I had been working on, I think, book three, and I hadn't really started book four yet. And I wasn't even sure I did actually a whole series in between three and four, because they're technically two separate tril trilogies, even though the same character, same world, but totally different story arcs. So I took a break and I didn't even email my mailing list for a while. I let it kind of languish. And I saw a big hit in sales, and especially between books four and five, it took me a while. I mentioned in the last episode, book five had the most complicated plot that it, I changed mm. my entire plotting technique, went to Scrivener. And so it took longer than even my usual to get it out. And I let a lot of things drop. And I really saw that hit between book four and five. The sales weren't quite as there. And I really blame that on me taking time as well as me not telling my readers what's going on and not being really communicative. So don't lose your fans. Don't lose your super fans. Stay in touch with them somehow. Yeah, communicating is, is important. Um, and I guess especially, I mean, if... Uh, <laughs> linking back or looping back to what we just talked about. If you're one of those people who, who are putting out a new book every month, which by the way, some people do, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> then it's probably less important because you're going to communicate with them anyway <laughs> by selling high. them a new release every month. <laughs> but, uh, But if you're like the rest of us human beings and not vampires, then... Uh, <laughs> or AI secretly. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, yeah, then I think it's a good point, Autumn, to uh, make sure that you communicate with your readers And, and keep the interaction going in, in the in the low times in between books. Absolutely. Mm. Right. What's your number two? Well, I know this one is probably a bit cliche ah. in one way or another, but it's still my number two thing that I wish somebody had told me. <laughs> and uh, it's also something that you and I have said over and over and over oh. again on this podcast, Autumn. So I don't know if you can guess what it is. No. We've also talked about it on past YouTube videos and in on one of the some of the older ones. Oh, shoot. there's so much we've covered. No, you yeah, don't have I know. to just tell me. <laughs> I, I can hint you a bit. It's You actually just said it a bit in, in what you said in your number three just before. Uh, so it has something to do with the series? Uh, the email list. Ah, oh, the email list. All right. Yeah. 
I mean, thank God I did create a me email list as soon as I started out. So I did not make that mistake. And I'm really glad about that because okay. I had picked up that much <laughs> that I needed to have a have a, an email list. So I did create that from the get-go, which, which is good. Uh, so I was off to a good start there. But I just did not put very much effort into actually building the list. Uh, I mean, I, I did a little, uh, but the majority of all my focus went to advertising for selling books and not really building the list. Mm. So whenever whenever I had some money to spend to reinvest into my business, I usually spent them on uh, sales ads rather than list building ads. And uh, I, I think I, I, I really wish somebody had told me back then that uh, you should always prefer a new email subscriber over a sale because the email subscriber that gives you a possibility to to you know build a relationship with that person and, and make them invested in what you're doing and that's a million times more valuable than a five dollar sale and i just did not have that focus back then and uh yeah i really, really regret that yeah i think um i always appreciated the business model that basically a returning customer is so much more important and where you're going to make most of your money rather that one than a one-time sale and so that's sort of what we're saying is that if you have a mailing list and someone you can contact and is excited about what you're writing and is ready to buy the next book or, you know, invested in the next series, that means so much more than, you know, the one, you know, doing a sale or a download and spending money to some of the advertisers for that. So I agree. That is actually a really good number too. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did talk a lot more about email list building back in episode six of this podcast. So if, uh, if what I just said triggered you uh, in any way, then uh, I recommend going back and listening to, to that episode if you missed it. Yeah, and my number two actually kind of relates to a recent podcast episode as well. Uh oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know if you can guess which one, but actually I mentioned it when we were talking earlier. So my number two is that I wish when someone was talking about, you know, the show Don't Tell and all of those things, if they had just mentioned that... Um, just to focus on one emotion or one description, poor paragraph or sentence. I see a lot of new authors who are told, you know, show emotions, don't tell them. And they mm. throw in like facial expressions. Um, so they're like squinting or flailing. You know, they often have ends in there. Like they, the character brunches their brows and frowns and, you know, all these little suggestions. It's like, okay, you just, just focus on one, bring out one emotion. I remember reading one where I was just like, I don't know what's going on here. There are so many emotions listed, so many actions, and I could not fathom at the, I was at the point where I'm like, I just want the author to tell me what the character is supposed to be feeling. Cause I don't get it. <laughs> so I think, yeah. I think when I was really learning and it was so easy to get overwhelmed with how to show emotions and even descriptions you start layering in this and this and this and becomes an info dump before you realize it and you don't want to do that so that interview you just had with cs latkin is um fantastic if it you is, yes. she have, was really good yeah if you have questions on like how to really convey emotions uh well Go back and listen to that because it really helps look at emotional thesauruses for writers because that is something I think is really being strong with that, especially as a new author, is going to do you worlds of wonder 
And like I said, I remember just reading someone else's work and just being so confused because they were talking about all these physical symptoms of emotions. And I didn't have a clue what this character was supposed to be feeling or thinking, or it just went right over my head. So yeah, I don't know. I don't recall the exact episode number, but it's probably something like 49, maybe Mm -hmm, or something like that around that in any way. So go back and find that episode if you want. But I think the gist of what you're saying in, in your in your learning number two there, I guess it's just writing is hard. Yes. It's difficult. And and when you're starting out, it's incredibly difficult because you don't know if you're doing it well or not. No, that's very true. And I think I think most authors go through a phase where they learn a lot and it becomes a lot harder that eventually they just kind of have to put some of that aside and just write again and then use it on their rough draft <laughs> because you can also learn so much that you prevent yourself from writing because you know you should be doing it better so don't do that either no true and work with an editor who mm-hmm. knows what they're doing uh, or and uh, feel free to post some writing in the amp writing fantasy f- uh, facebook group and uh, ask other people for some comments and whatnot but uh, also be careful not to listen too much to what other people are saying when you especially when you're first starting because it's so easy to get derailed about oh this person told me to do it like this and that, but then that person over there told me to do this and this. What I really had a lot of benefit from when I first started out, what's that I, I found like a, uh, what it's not a writing partner because he did not do any writing, but he was like a soundboard for me. So He's I would write a like for you, really. Yeah, kind of. You know, he he was very experienced with writing. So what I would do is I would send him one chapter at a time and then he would comment on it and I would go back and I would rewrite the chapter. And I think I wrote that chapter one like 15 <laughs> times or something before he said, okay, you're ready to write chapter two now wow. and, and so forth. And I went like that for at least six months and made almost no progress. Wow. Um, but I, at least for me, I think it worked very well that I had one person I had to listen to. Mm-hmm. Because if I had to listen to 15 different writers giving me advice about this and that, I would be immensely confused. Because when you're first starting out, you don't know what's right or wrong. You don't know if, a, if an advice is good or bad. And sometimes, I think we've said this before as well, writing is also an art form. So there is no right or wrong. It's not like math no. that you can say two plus two is four. And if you get five, then it's not right. It's not like that. So... There's also some, there's a lot of gray area in this. And, and just because some author tells you that you should be doing it like this, it, well, that might be his or her's preference and that might be in his or her's voice, but it might not align to how you are actually st- doing your storytelling. So, yeah, yeah that's it's difficult. And you just have to write a lot, to be honest, and then find find a few people you trust and listen to their advice mm-hmm. uh, and and. Just write and write and write and write and write. <laughs> Agreed. All right. Uh, we we're, got to the top of the list. We're at the top of the list. So what oh is your number one? No, we're on my number one. Huh, it's my turn. So oh, it, oh, okay. I think yeah. so. So my number one piece of advice I wish someone had told me when I first started out was write a series and release it close together. When I right. read my debut novel, Born of Water, I just wanted to write the story and I think I kind of had a dangling out there that it was going to be a series, but I mean, I didn't even have a series name. I didn't have a name for book two. I didn't really have the character arcs. I mean, it's amazing how much differently I plot now. Now I have not only the book names, I have the overall arcs. I know what's in each book. I kind of have it all mapped out 
And I did not do that when I had book one. And one, it's, it's, if you're going to do that, it helps. So that way you can tie your books together. It's a much more interesting series. And when you write a series, it sells. I remember when I finally released the last book in the trilogy, book three, sales went through the roof because it was Mm -hmm. complete at that point. And yeah, I wish someone had told me that. I think it was so much more exciting to go ahead and get everything written, get it released, get the whole series out. People are much more excited. You're much more excited. And I just, it didn't, yeah, it didn't realize it when I wrote book one. And I had to do a lot of like scratching my head and change my cover because I didn't have the series title in there anywhere because I just had it out as a standalone more or less and it yeah. it really isn't a standalone. So if you're going to write a series, if you're going to write a book, really consider writing a series. It's better for sales. It'll get you excited. And if you're going to do it, just have all that stuff figured out from the get go. It'll, it'll save you so much headache <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah. We have, um, we mentioned this last week as well, but uh, between Christmas and New Year's, we have uh, one of the biggest indie authors in the world coming onto the podcast uh, called Adam Croft. Yes. And he's actually going to talk about just what Autumn said and why it is so important to uh, to write in series and what difference it makes. So you're going to hear a lot more about that. In the past, we also had Lindsay Buroka onto the podcast. Right. He also talked about it. So yeah, there is a lot of advice out there and just take the word for it. Uh, you need to write in a series. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so that was my top one. What is yours? Oh yeah. So my it's funny because I think this one actually goes it's exactly the opposite <laughs> of one of your past ones. Oh, that's gonna be funny. <laughs> yeah, because uh, when I first started out, I, I wish somebody had told me to spend more time writing and less time marketing. <laughs> because uh, that's true. Uh, yeah, my problem is that I I love the marketing part. Uh, <laughs> I I think opposite most of the authors, like you said in in one of your past one, you said that n- nobody wants to do the marketing, but I'm one of those. I want to do the marketing, <laughs> so it makes me inclined to spend a lot of time learning about the marketing platforms, how to do make the ads as optimal as possible, split testing, and all that stuff, uh, increasing conversion rates and 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 so forth and so forth. So I end up spending quite a lot of time doing that uh, also when i just had one book out which is absolutely <laughs> pointless you know <laughs> yeah, at least wait till you have the series yeah I mean, yeah i would say probably when you have like three to five books out then you can start playing around with advertising but until that point it's it's really not that much worth of your time you can do the list building ads and do that uh, as i said in my in my number two uh, lesson um, I wish I had spent more time list building. So you can do that for sure as soon as you have, even before you have one book out. But, Absolutely. But sales ads, it's like it's a waste of time. And <laughs> if I just focused more time on writing instead of doing ads all the time, I think I could probably have a lot of more books out by now. Yeah, I think but, you are uh, a little unusual as an author that way. But there are other authors who are good with the spreadsheets who are doing this, you know, from the beginning. Um, the sales, if it's not a business in their minds, at least the sales are a validation. And so it's easy to focus on doing that when, you know, you're, you're still new and you, people are going to discover you. And right now it's really hard to get discovered. And so, yeah, you could be spending a lot of time and money on something when it might help to get the whole book. I think four, you know, at least the series, one series done, but you know, a little bit more under your belt because, oh my goodness, I will say uh, one last piece of things to be aware of. I remember once, talking to a Twitter, a very 
author who'd been doing it for 20 plus years. I can't remember how many books she had out. And she said she was so happy that her debut novel was under a different pen name because now she doesn't have to even pretend she knows what any, you know, what that book is about. And I won't say I feel that way, quite that way about my debut novel, but when I see what book one versus my 16th book that I just released looks like, yeah, my writing has changed a lot. So do keep, just keep writing and do remember you will improve. And at some point you'll look back going, I was so hung up on advertising book one and marketing book one and just having written one book and now look at everything I have and how much I've changed. And now I want to hide book one a little bit, but <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. So the next episode is coming out right before Christmas. And uh, we decided we wanted to do something, well, a little different for you. That's right. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna, we wanted to give it a bit of a Christmas feeling to it. So we are going to talk about how you are going to create a holiday for your fantasy world. So it's <laughs> world building time and I'm already looking forward to it. Yay! If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on patreon.com slash amwritingfantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.